Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name is Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode, one that is really hitting home for me because at the time of this recording, I have a new kiddo in the house. They're about three days old. Sophia Lynn just joined us. We're now a family of five. And on this episode, we're having in Jared Lopes, who is the, uh, well, I'll tell you a little bit about him and then we'll get started. Uh, Jared Lopes, he is a Christian author, speaker, and the founder of Dad Tired, uh, a nonprofit ministry focused on equipping men to lead their family well. He hosts the weekly Dad Tired podcast, downloaded over 4 million times by men from around the world. He and his wife, Layla, live in South Carolina with their four children, so he's one up on me, um, but he understands what we're going through over here in the house of five. Uh, Jared, welcome to the welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, man, and congratulations. It's Thank big you. and exciting. Oh, yeah. We're going through the every, what is it, two to four hours, wake yeah. up, this, that, yeah. cluster. You know, she just lets me know what I need to do, and I roll over and... <laughs> <laughs> make sure it gets done. Uh, but you're, you're a, you're a pro at this. You've got four of your oh, own. Geez. Well, no, I've, uh, yeah, I have four, but I'm certainly no pro man. <laughs> I, I'm not sure you get, uh, any more wiser or just cause you get more experience doesn't necessarily mean you get more wisdom, but I'm, I'm winging it still. <laughs> well, I look, that's kind of the premise of like your whole book as you read through it, which is uh, on the front cover, it says stumbling your way to spiritual leadership, which is uh, a permission to do things messy, which I I resonate with. But you wrote, you wrote this book um, and along with the ministry, dad tired, dad tired and loving it. Um, What was the inspiration behind kind of writing that book? Cause that's writing a book is no small feat. Like you got to get in there and it takes time and with four kids in the house, you know, all those things going wrong. But what, what inspires you to kind of get in there and write that tired? Yeah, man. Well, I just wanted to give more resources uh, to our guys who are trying to do what you just said, you know, stumbling their way to spiritual leadership. Um, I didn't grow up with a dad around. My dad bailed when I was three. And so um, I have been stumbling my way forward the best that I can since I've had my son, which he just turned 11 back in May. So, you know, for the last 11 years, I just feel like I've been trying to stumble my way in this whole like dad journey. I was really motivated to be a dad, really motivated to be like the best dad. I, I always wanted to be the dad that I wanted as a kid. That was kind of my uh, inspiration, motivation. I was really, really excited about being a father and, um, and then I, I realized like, oh, dang, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> like I just, uh, just because I wanted to be a good dad doesn't auto- automatically make me a good dad. And I realized really quickly, like, even though I have high motivation to be a good dad, that doesn't equate to being equipped to be a spiritual leader. And I realized pretty quickly, like nobody taught me how to be a spiritual leader of my family, even though I, I want that, I'm going to, I want to try to do it. I'm highly motivated. I really don't know what it looks like to lead my family toward Jesus practically day in, day out. And so uh, I know there are a lot of dudes out there like that. And so I just thought, you know, as I'm stumbling my way forward, if it if it's, if it could be helpful to put that down in a book, I wanted to do that for other guys who might feel like they're in the same boat. Well, I, I'm definitely one of those guys, you know, trying to do it right and realizing every day as I 
put my head on my pillow and, you know, rehash the day like, ah, I could have done that. But, oh, the tone of my voice on that. Oh, probably Mm -hmm. should have spent more time here. Definitely one of those guys. And you you say you had no one, you know, representing that spiritual leadership for you. Where did you go first? Like, how did you start? What kindled that flame inside of you? And, And where did you go first to start stumbling forward? Well, I, um, I got hired when I was 18 as a pastor, which is dangerous. I don't <laughs> Wow. I was a, I was a junior high pastor, so I figured they they just thought like, well, he probably can't mess this up too bad. Just like be crazy, <laughs> just throw some pies in your face and you know, act kids, crazy. Kids leading kids. Yeah, exactly. Um and I but I had had a high school teacher who was kind of mentoring me and he was the he was also the junior high pastor and so he kind of like without me even knowing, had taken me under his wing and then kind of released me into that um, right after high school. And then uh, I got hired at this other church when I was about 20 years old, ended up meeting my wife. We had our, my, son, my son, Elijah, and, um, and I had another pastor. I was the youngest pastor on staff, but he ended up taking me under his wing. And really, like, in hindsight, I didn't even realize how intentional he was about discipling me. But the guy was just like super, super intentional about pouring into me. I think he just saw I was a young guy. I didn't grow up without a dad. I was a new husband. I was a new father. And and he just like, he took me under his wing and poured his life into me. And it really shaped um, the foundation of like me growing really into manhood. I, I think I <laughs> I always say, you know, they say that you don't hit like your your full frontal core your full frontal lobe doesn't fully develop for a, for a male up until 25. I'm like, I don't think mine like hit till I was like 30. And even then I'm still like questioning, you know, like if it did, but, um, but yeah, he really set that foundation even in my young twenties to this, like, here's what it looks like to be a godly father, husband, disciple. And it was, it was a life changing experience for me. Well, that mentorship side, I mean, obviously invaluable for you, but we did have some people that uh, wrote in um, and one of the questions that one of them asked was about that. Like, Hey, uh, people don't always have a father or, or, and here's the quote here. When you either lost a father figure or you didn't have a good one to begin with, what's the best resource to use for feedback, encouragement, and guidance. And I think I'll add on to the end of that because it's obviously finding someone, a mentor. How does a father find a father figure or should you even be looking for a father figure, find a mentor uh, to really give you that feedback, give you the resources, you know, tell you your, Hey, a little bit this way, a little bit that way and help you on your way. Well, I mean, I first just want to be realistic. It's super rare. I mean, the fact that if every young guy said, I want to go out and find a mentor that could be for many guys uh, a defeating task. Because a lot of guys won't find it's hard. It's like the fact that this guy took me under his wing is just really, really rare. And even being in the church ministry for a long time, I don't see it that often. One, most older guys don't feel like they have anything to offer the church. And so if even if they're there, they're not super engaged or they feel like, I don't, I don't really want to, you know, stick my nose in these young people's business. <laughs> but Like, guys, I'm 35. Like, I'm looking yeah. for that. I'm hungry yeah, for yeah. that. And I know that I've looked for some mentorships and like some of those relationships, like you said, have broken down. Like there'll be a little bit of, yeah, encouragement. But then when it starts to dig deep, it's like uncomfortable and then just kind of fades. <laughs> because most older guys don't even, even if they have wisdom, they don't know how to intentionally pour that into someone else because they've never been taught that. 
and they've never been discipled themselves. And so life has given them experience. And so they actually are a deep well of wisdom just because they've lived long life. And you have a lot of faithful men in the church who have lived long lives and they've been faithful. They've been married 30, 40, 50 years. They've had kids who love the Lord and yet they still don't really know like how to pour into a younger generation. So I, in the same way that I don't, I didn't really know what I was doing because I was never taught. They don't know what they're doing because they were never taught. So that's like a bigger conversation just about a discipleship within the church that I think needs to be had. And that's one of the things that I'm constantly encouraging guys when I go speak at churches, like the older guys, like, man, you, you have a huge role to play in the church. I think if you have, for a young dad listening, if you have that kind of guy in your life or at your church, just to be bold and say, man, I'm watching you be a husband and dad or like I hear your story. Like, can I buy you lunch every Tuesday and just pick your brain and just see what he says? He may or may be like, that's weird. I don't know. Like, let's try. But um, it probably if he's not being intentional about pouring, like grabbing you and taking you under his wing, then you might just have to ask directly. Um, and there have been many times where I've prayed for God to bring relationships. I know that's a very churchy answer, but I've prayed, God, would you bring me solid men who I who will teach me? I, I think what's probably more realistic for a lot of guys is that they just have a solid group of friends around them um, who are speaking the truth to them, which again is super rare, but maybe less rare. So three guys in particular that are like, dude, this is a really, really safe space we're going to meet, and we're going to meet with the goal that we're all the husbands, fathers, disciples that we think God's calling us to be. And then we're going to meet with the the expectations that everything we talk about in this little huddle or room stays here. And so if we're talking about marriage or sin or repentance or whatever it is, like it's going to stay here. But again, the goal is we're not just trying to hold each other accountable for the sake of accountability's sake. We're not just trying to like meet together to study a Bible so we can repeat Christian rhetoric a million more times. The goal is let's be the men God's called us to be. And uh, and so just call me out on my stuff, man. That's super rare, but I think it's actually more attainable than finding a mentor. And both can help accomplish the same thing. Well, it sounds like you're talking about something different than... So when I went to Bible college for the first uh, two, three years of, of my college career, um, and we, in the ministerial division at this college, we had ministerial Fridays where we would all get together. We would sing, we would, uh, then get in our small groups and it was three guys, but it was kind of this forced thing where you would get together and then you would go through this. Um, I think it was inspired by, you know, some Wesleyan theology or something. Uh, but going through and you would, I had this week, what, where did I go wrong? Where did I fit? And it, it, it would just devolve into this. Like I hated it. Yeah. Every Friday, I, Friday, I, Friday was coming and I'm like, I have to get through this for sure. And then I can get into my weekend and I just need to let them know everywhere I failed. Uh, (laughs) But it sounds like you're talking about something more of like, Hey, walking into the meeting. Hey, this is where I'm struggling this week that I I know I can do better, but you know, maybe I don't know how, or let's keep it real. What you said last week, man, that, that highlighted in my week this week where I was talking this way, or I was not doing this or hey devotions this week for my family we did it times that's more than last week we did it you know more of encouragement in that confession side i think man the the i've experienced that same thing dude it's just you just dread it like and i don't know what guy would want to sign up for that (laughs) you know like it sounds terrible uh and i have been like forced to sign up for those in my church experience (laughs) your christian experience 
and it sucked to be honest because the the difference is one of them is just the goal is behavior modification mm, yeah. so and that's really it sounds like what you were having like let's just we, let's get our behavior under control and that feels really shallow and it just feels really daunting and just like annoying so that's that that falls way short of like what i was trying to describe which is let's be the men god's called us to be for our families for our kids for our wives for the mission of our community and our and our work yeah and behavior will help shape those things but that's just one of the things that we're talking about really one is talking about behavior and one is talking about heart and heart change lasts and heart change is actually motivating. Like when I meet with guys and I can sense that God is changing my heart, things are going better. When I meet with guys and I feel like all we're talking about is behavior, well, then you either learn how to hide or lie or you just like you, you're exhausted because you're trying to manage your behavior all the time. And um, none of that sounds like the gospel. Well, the behavior side of it too, because I mean, Coming into uh, a support group like that, there's got to be a better word for it, I'm sure. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. a group of guys trying to stumble forward together mm-hmm. and encourage each other. Like, I'm very much aware of my behavior. Otherwise, I wouldn't right. be looking for something like this. For sure. And there's right. a there's a phrase in your book, actually, um, Dad Tired and Loving It. Rest assured you are thinking about your past a lot more than Jesus is. Such yeah. a powerful phrase. Yeah. I am thinking about my past and sometimes me personally, that can keep me from gaining the momentum to be that spiritual leader in my own home. So I'm like, Ooh, well, I got so much to work on myself Mm -hmm. that I don't know if I'm the guy that should be up here imparting the theology of God's word over, Hey kids, let's learn about the Trinity tonight. You know, (laughs) like I I don't even understand it myself. Uh, So let, let's walk through it. Like, for, for those guys that might shy away from being the spiritual leaders because of, you mentioned the hiding of your behavior yeah. or like, yeah. ah, I don't want to be exposed as the fraud. Everybody can probably see that I'm a fraud, but we haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> like, yeah. let's not talk about it. Yeah. Like sure. that, that is intimidating. Is there, is there, um, and it sounds like you may have experienced some of that. Is there some way that you've moved forward from that fear of the past or getting over that and just like, like dive in? Man, so many things. Uh, first, I appreciate your honesty on that, but so many, so many thoughts on that. Um, just to be really frank, you're not the guy. You're you're not qualified, <laughs> uh, and neither was Moses, and neither was Joshua, and neither was David, and neither like nobody was the guy ever. There, there, there has never been the guy. Um, everyone that God's called has fallen ridiculously short of what God is calling them to do, and so. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're just not the guy. And and so when you think to yourself, well, I, who am I to lead my family? Well, you're sinful and you're broken. And yet God has, before the foundations of the world, still called you to partner with him. And so the premise has to be, okay, God is fathering my kids. He loves them and wants to save them. And he's using me to partner with him to do it. And and so the fact that you even want to be a spiritual leader in your family, the fact that you even want your kids to know Jesus is probably evidence that God's already chasing them down. And so the, the Bible says that if we didn't worship him, the rocks and the trees would cry out. And, uh, and so if God can use rocks and trees, bro, like I promise you, he can use you like, <laughs> uh, and all your sin and all your junk and all your mess, like God, God can use you. Um, and the other thing is when you think through like, okay, I've got too much sin. I'm, I'm, I'm working on my own shame, my own brokenness. Um, if you were part of any other religion, you should be overwhelmed by that because you, 
every other religion says, hey, dude, you better get it figured out. In order to be close to God, in order to be used by God, in order to be like some high-level spiritual person, you got to get your stuff together. The God of the Bible, the reputation of the God in the Bible is, in the midst of your mess, I'm going to take you, shape you, restore you, make you beautiful, and use you in the middle of all of it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, like today, today. So even though you're a mess, like God is using you today to to be the spiritual leader of your home. And and so if you feel overwhelmed by your shame, which, dude, I feel uh, probably on a weekly basis, I am not thinking about the God of the Bible. Mm. I'm making, I'm, I'm, cre- I'm uh, in idolatry because I've formed a God in my head. And the God in my head says, you're not worthy. But the God of the Bible says, uh, you know, you're not worthy, but I'm making you worthy. I've made you worthy and I'm going to use you anyway. That, that is making God in your own image, which the, the God that I would create would be severely disappointed in me, would have some mm-hmm. sort of ledger of something. Okay, you did that. Okay, I'll take this much sin off of your ledger. Exactly. Um, okay, uh, you screwed up this week. You have to start back at go again. We're never going to get this game done if we don't you know, start perfecting ourselves right now. Yeah. Um, and that's just a God of my own image. It's, that's right. And it's difficult to to humble myself enough to realize that I can connect with God. I know that sounds weird, but humble myself enough to get off my high horse of shame and wallowing yeah. and then mm-hmm. say, okay, what does God have for me today? Because I can do this and I can be the spiritual leader of my home. And there is a sobering part too, because there's another, there's another quote in your book and it says, you don't have to start discipling your kids. They're already learning from you. Mm-hmm. And I read that and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. It reminded me of something one of our guests has said, uh, Daryl Stetler came on and one of the things he mentioned is everything is discipleship. And he was meaning it for, right. for individuals as you turn on the news or you get on Facebook or you're you know, in that um, group of friends text and every, everything is discipling you in one way or another. And then your, your quote hones in on the kids. Like they're, they're already watching you. Oh yeah. You're already discipling them one way or the other. Yes. Are you, what, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. You're 100% discipling your children already. You are forming disciples. Um, the question is just disciples of what? Um, and so for a lot of guys, they just ask like tactical questions. What do I need to do to like be a spiritual leader? Is it a devotional? Like how often do I do devotional? Is it three times a week? Is it five times a week? Do we listen to Caleb instead of like the this radio station I like? Is it VeggieTales instead of it? You know, like... Blues Clues, or Blues Clues is probably not a thing anymore. Coco Melon or whatever the thing, Peppa Pig. Yeah. Oh, um, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, all of those questions are tactical questions. Um, but I guess the harder question to ask yourself when you think through that lens is, okay, if I'm already discipling, they're already taking on, discipleship literally just means you're taking on the ways of someone else. So from, even if you just took away the spiritual aspect of it, discipleship is, discipleship is you're taking on the ways of someone else. So if your kids are taking on your ways, then you have to ask yourself, what are my ways? Now you have to, so now the question isn't what what book am I reading? Am I reading the right devotional? What music am I listening to? Now the question is, okay, I know my kids are taking my ways. What are my ways? And now you have to do a personal inventory of your own life. Um, Where am I trying to fall more in love with Jesus? And where am I intentionally not? Where am I casually just, you know, we never drift toward Jesus. We drift away from him naturally. 
And so where do I need to intentionally pursue Jesus? And what's crazy, man, is that when you start to do that, when you start to become a man who loves Jesus, who understands him better, who, who works hard to follow him, discipleship just kind of happens because your kids just kind of take on the ways of daddy. Well, it sounds like it's not um, leading from the the sofa. We're like, hey, you guys go to Sunday school. <laughs> hey, <laughs> right. hey, make right. sure you read your devotional book tonight in bed by yourself. Like, yeah, it's just every part of your day. Uh, yeah. And we, we had another listener question, and it, we had several. I, I know I'm not going to get to all of them, but there's a theme for a few different ones about that time frame, about the time one has, and kind of that strategic approach to it. Hey, uh, the tactical, we have X amount of time to get stuff done. Yeah. And, and I don't even have, I, I tried this all yesterday, and I still have the same amount of time today, <laughs> and I know it's not going to work, but I'm going to try. And one of our one of our listeners uh, wrote in, he said, how do you find the balance between letting children enjoy what they enjoy, uh, what obviously creating margin for mom and dad, uh, to not entertain them for a few minutes versus building a work ethic. And he's going more for like instilling in them work ethic. But I think it goes both ways, instilling in them, you know, God's word, his principles. We want our boys to work and enjoy work, but we also want them to enjoy life. Uh, what's the margin for us to breathe and relax for a few minutes versus instilling in them? So that, and then there's all sorts more about that balance between work uh, and and home life and uh, running a business and going to church and not having enough time and wanting them to have enough time for them to play and then pulling them aside. And it sounds like priorities, but maybe from you, like the finite time that a dad has, how do I distribute that in the best way to have the most impact on my family, my spiritual life, my wife, all those things, how do I distribute that or figure out what the best approach is? Well, I think to, if we'd answered his question directly, which I think was what he was directly asking, like, I want my kids to play and have fun, but I also want them to have a good work ethic. To answer that question directly, I think the best thing that that guy could do to lead his family well spiritually would be to practice Sabbath every week, mm. to practice actually resting as a family from work. When we started to do this, my son asked, we were, I told him like someone, I'm not going to work today because he'll come in, you know, like today he wanted to do something. I said, I got to go do a podcast today. Or I got to do, send some emails today. And he's disappointed because um, he wants to play. Well, uh, so we, we started to practice Sabbath and I said, daddy's not going to do any work today. In fact, I'm going to turn off my computer and I'm going to turn off my phone and I'm just going to be with you guys today fully. Um, and my, my son asked me, he said, Daddy, well, then how will we get food and how will you get any money? Because he was equating like we need to daddy work so that he can make money for the family. So, Daddy, how are we going to get any money? How are we going to get any food? And I said, we trust that God will take care of us. That's why we Sabbath, because daddy is not our sustainer. Daddy's not the one who takes care of our family. God is. And so for the guy who says, I want my kids to work hard, but, you know, what's the, the balance of work and rest? Man, I think there are a lot of dudes if we're if they were honest, if we're honest. Um, work has become an idol. And it's really because we feel like we can crush it at work. And we feel like we're crushing at work more than we're crushing it at home. And so it's actually easier for most guys to work than it is to be a spiritual leader because we know what we're doing. Um, Or we feel more confident in what we're doing at work than we do at home. And so for you to literally stop, to turn off everything and to say, uh, I'm trusting that God is good to us. Like even while I'm sleeping and resting, the kingdom of God is advancing. God is, God is working and providing on our behalf. 
So that's what I would say to that guy specifically on the, the bigger issue of like balancing work. I always say, man, I don't want it to be balanced. If my kid balances, the scales are even, right? Mm. Uh, I don't want I don't want my wife to feel like the scales are even that she's equal to my work. I don't want my kids to feel like the scales are even that the, that that daddy loves me as much as he loves work. That would be a failure to me if my kids say that. If we're balanced, I say well, just throw them out of balance, especially when they're young. Like I want to be with my kids. I want to prioritize my kids and my wife, especially when they're young, uh, way more than I'm valuing work. And dude, I I've like. We've lived in some really, really hard places. We've been in some financial situations that have been very, I remember, this is, I'm not trying to be dramatic and I don't tell this story very often, but I remember one time uh, going to the store and I did not, I couldn't pay for my groceries and I did not have very many in the cart. And I remember getting declined and I had I had no idea how I was going to get groceries for my kids. And I came home and I wept. But I'll tell you, dude, I would have rather had that now, I know there's some arguments like we need to provide for a family, make sure they're hungry and stuff. Sure. And I did. I hustled. I started more businesses so that we could eat. <laughs> but um, I would rather have that and be more present with my family than to provide for my family. I'm using air quotes for people who can't see, you know, quote unquote, provide for my family, give them everything they want. And yet daddy's actually missing. And I mean, missing like emotionally, spiritually, physically. I'm just not really there. My mind is always on work. My, um, you know, my I'm physically always at work. Whatever. There are a lot of dudes who are saying, "Well, I'm providing for my family," uh, and sure, you're filling up the bank account, but dude, your family misses you, and they want you actually there, and they would rather uh, eat lesser foods and have less cool of toys and have daddy around than to have all the stuff you're you're quote unquote providing for them, and you're you're totally absent. Well, I don't think my my kids growing up, if we ate ramen noodles every night they would actually love it um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so they're not going to realize that but that makes a lot of sense with because i can i can portray this onto me like if what i want from what and from my parents would be quality time them with me and then also even them saying hey i didn't get this right today yeah uh, and, and and this is how i'm going to do better with it how was your day like even just telling me where this is what i'm feeling um, and it's hard for me, though, then to flip that around to being the spiritual leader of my home and admitting failure at the same time. Like that doesn't that doesn't seem to I know it's right, but it doesn't seem like that if I get off this pedestal, which I don't even know if I'm on with my kids. But if I get off <laughs> of that and admit that I am a failure here or here or here, uh, they may not even listen to me. You know, who who am I? And it goes back to that imposter syndrome inside of like, Hey, who am I to do this? Is there a right or wrong way to admit failure to your kids? Yeah, I think there's a wrong way to apologize, but I, I think that, um, first I want to, I, I want to camp on the, the question again, the last question, which, you know, the balancing thing and these two things I think tie together. Um, if we think of discipleship as like these moments, these like 15 minute moments where we sit down and we pray together and then we read a passage of scripture and then I tell my kids some theological truth and they sit crisscross applesauce on the floors, daddy chairs, all this like, yeah. dude, that's, that's just not a realistic expectation for your three-year-old or your five-year-old, your 10-year-old, you know. Um, here's what, and, and now, so I always say discipleship happens more in 15 second moments and less than 15 minute moments. 
So you're, I'm just using as many 15-second moments throughout the day to point my kids to Jesus. That's what real discipleship actually looks like. That's how Jesus discipled. Oh, we're in a wheat field. Let me talk to you about, let me give you a parable. Yeah, he was just always like on the go as we're going. Let me just point your eyes back to the kingdom. And that's what we should do as dads. When we're throwing the ball in the backyard or we're driving or we're in the soccer practice, whatever, everything is discipleship like we were talking about earlier. Um, so let me give that a practical example based on the question that you just asked. We just moved into this new home. We just moved in two weeks ago. And uh, moving is chaotic. I'm like baseline stressed the whole time we were moving. Uh, the very first days we were here, I was just super, super stressed trying to coordinate all this stuff. My kids were bickering all day. So, And then they're like, you know, it's like 930 at night. I'm still trying to go through boxes. They're like, Dad, we're hungry. Did we even eat? Which I don't even know if I fed them dinner that day. I totally <laughs> forgot. So I'm like, just, I have no groceries. I'm just like, I don't know, grab, like grab literally anything you can find. I, I don't know if it's cookies, if it's Oreos, just like, just eat something and brush your teeth, go to bed. Well, then they go. For, so I'm like, my stress level is just creeping up, creeping up. Well, then two of my kids start to fight with each other, bicker with each other. And dude, I just lost it on them. I just like screamed at them. All of the, the, the impatience and all of the stress that I was feeling the other day got poured out on them. Uh, my... My anger did not justify their behavior. What they were doing was wrong, but what I poured out on them was much more than what they deserved to be poured out. And so then my wife kind of, I can sense that she's like not happy with how I responded to that. So we get into the bathroom and I'm like brushing my teeth. And she's like, babe, she was Kim's at me so gently. She's like, babe, that was like, that was too much, you know? And now I'm mad at her. I don't take her gentle, kind, humble advice. I'm now mad at her. So I go to bed angry that night. My wife is now like, I've, fractured that relationship. I fractured the relationship with my kids. This is like days ago, by the way. So when we're talking about like spiritual leadership, this is like days ago. Okay. So the next day I woke up and now I have to apologize to my wife. Like, babe, what you approached me really humbly and gently and I brushed you off really harshly and I'm sorry that I did that. And then I had to go to my daughter and say, babe, uh, the way that I talked to you last night was not the way that I should have talked to you. And it's not the kind of dad I think God wants me to be. And I really want Jesus to change this part of my heart. And I'm sorry. I'm asking your forgiveness. I've asked God for his forgiveness and I want him to change my heart, but I'm asking your forgiveness too. Both of those things, by the way, dude, are really hard to do. Oh, yeah. yeah, Like so hard, even as hard as like, it's just, I've written chapters about it. I've done podcasts about it and it's still so freaking hard to do. But I did it and they both forgave me quickly as you know, kids do and my wife was gracious enough to do. But I say all that because here's, here. I needed to ask for forgiveness. I needed to repent to them. But the bigger thing is one day my kids are going to hear the gospel and they're going to hear you are broken and in need of Jesus. Yeah. And they will have a reference point, hopefully from daddy. Like, oh yeah, daddy used to talk about how his heart was broken and in need of Jesus and in need of the good news of God to come save him. And so when they're presented the opportunity to surrender life to, to Christ and to hear the gospel, I pray that they have an example of that. If daddy was always perfect, then they would be like, well, did dad need Jesus? He never admitted that he did anything wrong. But the fact that we would be dads that say, no, I am broken. I am not the hero of this family. Jesus is. Even daddy needs Jesus is actually, it's not just apologizing for the sake of apologizing. It's apologizing to give, to pave the path of gospel truth so that when my kids hear that they need Jesus too, they'll like, They'll, they'll recognize, oh, yeah, even daddy needed Jesus. There's, there's two themes that I hear coming out of what, what you just said. 
Uh, one is, is intentionality, always being on the lookout for opportunities, even in your yeah. own failure yeah. to, to mentor or disciple your kids, but also a big one, delayed results. So, so if I don't, if I don't see, like I say something and I speak into my child's life, you know, like if they act the same way or, or don't change right away, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't keep going with this. Like this may be a long term. it's kids. It's a long-term investment. Um, Bro, we're a long-term investment. Think about Jesus. Think about God fathering us. Like imagine the amount of times he's given us the same lesson <laughs> as men. And we just like, uh, you know, I, God's been giving me the same lessons in certain things since I was a, a boy. Sure. Right. And he just keeps it. He's in the long game. And so, yes, you're a hundred percent right. I will plant seeds and plant seeds and plant seeds. And maybe by God's grace, I might see some fruit of that in my kids' lives now. And I do. There are times where I'm like, just Lord, praise God. Thank you. Thank you that I got to see you working in something I've been trying to instill in them since they were two. And then other t- things that might not be until they're 60, you know, but um, yes, it's a long-term game as much as God is in the game for us long-term. So speaking of kind of the same topic of discipling intentionality, um, there was somebody that, that texted in. They said, what are a few practical tools you've used to connect with your kids? So mm. obviously discipleship will, will mean, you know, it's an intimate thing. Um, how do you just connect with your kids? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I, when I was first hearing that question, I was thinking about uh, like discipleship tools in my, so I'll just say it. I don't think that's what they were asking, but, but um, the Jesus storybook Bible is like my favorite, like for young kids. Um, I I would recommend every parent get that for their young kids. If you're just thinking, I want to, I want to start introducing the scriptures and the story, the grand story of God to my kids, pick that one up, start reading to the young kids. Um, So here's one, like getting to their question specifically. Um, I've always blocked out my the birthday day of my kids every month to spend one-on-one time with them. I have four kids now. Um, so this has become a really important habit. But like, so when my son, he was born on May 22nd. So the 22nd of every month, he and I would have one-on-one time. It could be something super simple. We take a walk around the block, uh, which by the way, my kids love. Uh, it's really, really simple. It costs nothing. It's fast and it's free. And my kids love that one-on-one time when we just take a walk one-on-one around the block. Um, but sometimes it'd be ice cream. Sometimes it'd be big stuff. We'd go to a baseball game or something like that. Um, so now I, with all four kids, their birthday day is one-on-one time with daddy. And I even do this with my one-year-old, but it's usually just a, a stroller walk. You know, we'll go, I'll take her and I'll talk to her as we walk. I push her in the stroller around the block. But that is proven to be over the last 11 years the most significant intentional connection time that I've had and dude sometimes I go way over the top like save up for years to take them to Disney World or Disneyland or whatever and I'm amazed at how quickly that stuff fades and how how quickly my bank account fades (laughs) and and how like it didn't even have the same impact as the walk like literally like they'll remember the conversation that we had on a walk on a Tuesday, you know, like four years ago. So um, that's probably the the single greatest tool I've used consistently to connect with my kids. I love that because it brings into the, to play one of the the basic needs of humanity, which is to to be seen and yeah. then to be known. Yeah. Uh, you're, you guys are asking them questions or, you know, for the... <laughs> 
for the little one, just like being there with them and connecting mm-hmm. and on, on the level where they're at, where they're developing. Um, I, and, and you said some, something important there, um, asking questions. I think the greatest intentional guys I've ever been around are the best question askers. And my times during those walks, it's usually walks for us. Um, my times during those walks are just to listen. And some dude, most of the time it's like my daughter is telling me about a, it's like a 45 minute dream about unicorns they had, you know, yep. and I'm just like, yep. I'm just listening. I'm just listening because I know that that's what my eight year old's talking about now, but soon she'll be an 18 year old and I want her to know she has daddy's ear, you know, in the same way that when I pray to God about the stuff that seems probably to him, like, dude, what, like <laughs> what are you praying about that? Like out of all the things you could be praying about, this is your prayer. And yet God doesn't do that. He's so gracious to listen, just like a good father. And so that those are the habits I'm trying to develop as a spiritual leader. Oh, for sure. It, my my daughter right now, she's uh, she's almost seven, and she's been stuck on, I'm trying to validate, you know, as they come in with, with what they want to be. And, you know, it, it changed so often. But for the last year, she's been stuck on being a DJ. And I don't know how I feel about that. And it's been a while now that she's been wanting to do that. So, uh, Get it, girl. Do it. DJ for, for Jesus. the glory of God. Yeah, for the glory of God. Walk a walk. I don't DJ. know. Uh, so your, your book is one thing I love to ask authors. Um, with your book, what, what's your favorite part of Dad Tired and Loving It? Oh, man. You're, I need. I feel like I need to grab the copy behind me. And uh, it's been a few years since I've, I've written it. I I think um, this that was my first book that like the first real book I, I've ever written. And uh, my goal for the dads reading that, I know a lot of dads don't have time to read, you know, uh, probably my favorite Amazon reviews are the are the wives that re- leave a review and they say, I've never seen my husband finish a book um, <laughs> and he finished this one. But one of the things that uh, was really fun for me was to write basically all my failures <laughs> And I've written a lot of them in there. Like, like just parenting fails. Just like, dude, I was trying so hard to decide. Like one time I was, I took my son to the grocery store and we had to just run in super fast. I'm like, dude, we'll be in there for three minutes. We'll just run in, run out. He's like, and so we, we run in there really quickly and we're in the store and right on the other aisle, I told the story in the book, but right on the other aisle, there's a couple arguing and it's like getting intense. It's getting so intense that like it's getting awkward for other people in the other aisles, you know? And, and the wife or the the woman says, uh, just so you know, I'm never going to forgive you. Like she just, you know, everyone can hear this line. I'm never going to forgive you. So I'm like, okay, use 15 second moments, point my kids to Jesus, be super intentional discipleship. I get down on my son's level. He's probably like four at the time. Get down on his level. I'm like, son, I just want you to know, no matter what, I will always forgive you because Jesus always forgives daddy. And he gets tears in his eyes. And I'm like, holy like this is working <laughs> like all my prayers of being a spiritual leader are working i was just so amazed he's like emotionally engaging and he says daddy and i said yeah buddy and he said i have to go to the bathroom so bad it's an emergency <laughs> i'm like all right he did not hear a word i just said you know but like anyway stuff like that's the stumbling towards spiritual leadership side of things you know and i so that was really fun for me to like just share all those stories for guys that like Dude, we're all just trying to figure this thing out together. Well, that's just that's just parenthood uh, yeah. at its core. <laughs> My goodness. Well, we, we're coming to the end here. We, we're almost out of time. I do have one more kind of closing question that, that I'd like to ask you. But uh, for the guys that have listened to you, that got a little appetite for maybe what else is in that book, um, where can they find more about you, your book, and your ministry? 
Yeah, man. So I appreciate you asking that. Um, so if they just, if you type in dad tired kind of anywhere on the internet, um, we'll pop up except TikTok. I haven't been able to uh, muster up the courage to, I, I downloaded it and felt like a creeper immediately. So I just deleted it. <laughs> I'm like, this is not, this is not for me. Um, so, but I mean like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and, uh, we're, and then a website dadtired.com. And then we do a podcast. So we do conferences around the country and we got books on Amazon and, uh, podcast every week on all the platforms. So yeah, anywhere that you kind of type us in, you'll probably find us. Yeah. And, and I recommend that podcast to anybody. It doesn't, it, honestly, it doesn't even have to be a dad. It doesn't even have to be a dude. Like there's, there's single moms out there trying to get it right. There's uh, also up and coming teenagers that are just like, Hey, how can I fall more in love with, with Christ and listening to your podcast? There is enough in there. Um, mm. Certainly it is geared towards dads, but there's a lot there just to dig into your relationship with Christ. Mm. Uh, so definitely recommend that. Um, so as we come to a close here, I like to give um, speakers, the, the guests an opportunity. If it's something we talked about today, something that's been on your heart lately um, or, or, or something else you want to bring in a challenge. If you could tell our listeners just one thing, uh, something you want to leave with them to really remember from Jared, what would that be? Yeah, I, I would go back to something we touched on briefly at the beginning, which is um, the reputation of God. Um, most of us are getting stuck in our shame. You said it like we're, uh, I said that quote in the book that you're thinking about your past a lot more than Jesus is. Um, so many people, uh, there's a lot of men I've met who are paralyzed by their shame and by their sin. And um, and God just has a reputation. Like the, I always say the Bible should be one page long. If God were that the God that we make up him to be in our heads, dude, he would have bailed on page one. Like he, he created everything amazing and we turned our back on him. He didn't turn our back, his back on us. And God right there should have said, all right, like, what? I'm out. Like, I'll go start a new earth somewhere else. We'll start this whole human experience somewhere else. Um, but he didn't. God stuck around. The reason that your Bible is thousands of pages long and not one page is because God has a reputation of being near broken and messy people and not leaving them in their mess, but redeeming all things back to the way things were meant to be. And so if you feel paralyzed... Um, again, you're probably thinking about and maybe worshiping the wrong God because the God of the Bible wants to be near you in the middle of your mess and then take that and restore you and make you new. And, um, and again, before the foundations of the world, man, he was, he picked you. If you're a mom listening, if you're a dad listening, he picked you to raise those kids, knowing full well who you would be today, your mess, your mistakes, your struggles, your doubts. He still picked you to partner with him. And so just rest, like you can rest tonight. If God can use rocks, he can use you. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, someone on Facebook talking to a guy back and forth, which is not the greatest platform for talking back and forth, but on, on big topics. But he had mentioned that, you know, as he's searching and moving through on his journey, uh, looking for the God um, that, that he believes in, uh, He's like, I, I can't imagine what I'm doing to my kids or like how there, there's probably somebody better that can do this job. And I'm like, I, I, I messaged back. I said, I feel you. I feel you on this because it's hard to know and realize that both things can be true. I don't think that I'm up to this task and I think there's someone, someone better, but also equally true. God has placed me in this position and I am 
the best option for my kids because God has put them in my life. Both of those things are true. Um, So yeah, (laughs) lots of, lots of opportunities to stumble forward uh, and keep moving forward. Um, But Jared, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for uh, taking the time. We know you're a busy guy, but we appreciate you. Um, Thanks for coming on Grace Story Podcast. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having me, man. And to you, the listener, thank you for for joining in with us. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, we hope that you'll check out GraceStoryMinistries.com. See more over there. All sorts of uh, information popping up about the conferences, men's conference, women's conference. Uh, Go check out the YouTube channel. All sorts of things popping up over there, too. Uh, But like I say every time, there is no us without you. You're what makes the ministry important. You're you're what makes us... uh, keep coming back. So make sure you dive in and we'll see you in two weeks. Until then, we'll be praying for you.